we have a win, guys. We have a second win of the season on a game that was back to back on a travel day that I was like, I came, I woke up this morning. I was like, I am going to have to talk about another loss tonight. But no, we're here with a win. And we are here with Malcolm Ert of Area 51 Sports. How are you doing, Malcolm? I'm good. It's, uh, yeah, you're right. It's uh, not exactly the outcome I think anyone expected. If uh, it was, I would have won a bunch of money tonight, but I, I didn't. Uh, you know, to me, this was like, it, it, when I watched it, it felt like a classic road win, which I think makes some sense, as you said, coming back off, uh, you know, a road game. But it just, you know, nothing spectacular, you know, especially, obviously, we, I think, we all know, you know, well, well, we're without Quinn Hughes. The defense is a problem. So just it was simple and effective. And maybe, you know, Pittsburgh was going to take us for granted. And, well, I think clearly they did a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, here we are. Here we are. And before we jump into the first segment where we recap this 5-1 win, uh, going to shout out our, our sponsor, Sports Interaction. Want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Football continues. The World Series is on and we have dropped the puck on hockey season. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. That's sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Ontario only, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. So, as we said... The Canucks win 5-1 tonight. Bo Horvat gets two goals uh, after taking some flack early on in the season. What what stood out to you tonight? Like, what who stood out to you and what was the biggest story for you tonight? Well, I think it can be, you know, discounted, of course, that Spencer Martin gets his first win and his first start. Uh, you know, I think we all kind of love the backup goalies always. And, of course, you know, I, I love Thatcher Demko, but... You know, you can't help but notice that, you know, the guy only let in one goal, uh, you know, in the game where, you know, it seems like Demko has been prone to one that you kind of, you know, reminiscent of, you know, Markstrom before he truly found his form. And then um, Makayev would be the other guy that's, you know, stood out, I'd say, a little bit in the last, you know, two games, really, uh, but picks up a couple apples tonight uh, and, you know, looked pretty effective and, and, you know, noticeable out there. Which in a game that, you know, as I said, was, you know, kind of unspectacular as far as viewing, like as far as watching games go, I'll take last night's game, you know, over tonight's game. Uh, but prototypical did what we needed to do. So, yeah, I'd say those were the two most notable players that I saw tonight. Yeah, I agree. I was impressed by Mikhaev tonight. I think the chat was too. And we've got people in the chat saying Myers looked pretty good tonight too. Um, I would say tonight was probably Myers' best game, I think, since he's since he's been back. Uh, we have a question about why Besser didn't play. Besser is injured. Um, yeah, I thought Mikhaev was good. I thought that... Sorry, somebody says Malcolm has entered the upside down. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sorry. If, if anybody on here is uh, on Canucks Twitter, you'll know that uh, Malcolm and I are usually... I think I would, I wouldn't say we're negative. I would say we are realistic about the Canucks, but it's, it's nice to get back-to-back wins. Well, like the old cliches, like we're, when there's positive things to talk about, we'll be positive. 
when there's negative things to talk about, we're going to be negative. And unfortunately, for the last 10 years, we've gotten mostly negative. So like, we're, we're going to call a spade a spade. I'm, I'm not into the, you know, turning everything rosy and sunshiny just because it's sports and it's supposed to be fun. You know, like, if, if that's, again, your thing, that's that's cool. But you're probably not the people who are on Twitter talking about it all the time and dissecting the game to this level. If you like going to the games, you know, obviously enjoy going to the games and enjoy the interaction you have. But typically on Twitter and, and in these discussions, we like to go on a deeper level. And for that reason, unfortunately, the things that have happened have been negative. That's, so we've been negative. That's a little bit I, of you know. foreshadowing for our third segment. Um, we'll, we'll get back into that. <laughs> we're going to stick to the game in segment one. Uh, yeah, you almost derailed us. I know. I, I almost, <laughs> we almost got into it. Uh, I thought that... You know, I was I was following a bit of a bit of the Pens reporters and B reporters leading up to it. They obviously got rinsed in Alberta before they showed up. I heard they had a very intense practice yesterday, and they were all saying, you know, expect the Penguins to show up. Um, they did not. They had they had very few shots in the first period. I mean, I think they stepped it up in the third period, but I think it was, you know, give the Canucks credit tonight. I thought they played the perfect second half of a back-to-back game especially considering they they traveled but I also think there was a little bit of luck in that for whatever reason the Penguins can't seem to get it together right now yeah you know it's it's uh, the Penguins are always that kind of team that you expect because of how they look on paper but it's always it you know it's what we talk about with core build or you know team building so often it's about the peripheral pieces that you put around those core and, you know, sometimes, especially when there's been some shakeups like there has been with the Penguins, takes a little bit of time to gel. Uh, so, you know, I, I still expect them to be a good team. And yeah, yeah, like, you know, I certainly didn't place any money on the Canucks to win tonight. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, like, you know, if, if that's <laughs> what do you say? Like, I, I don't know if anyone would have predicted a 5-1 win for us tonight that's you know pretty stunning the other the other player that stood out for me tonight maybe not in the way that he normally does but i have given jt miller a lot of flack starting from (laughs) the time he signed that contract uh up until tonight i was a little before that yeah yeah (laughs) do you do you think that putting him back on the wing has been the right move. And I mean, that's a bit of a loaded question given how he's performed the last two games, but what, how do you feel about Miller as a one C versus a winger? I, I feel in a vacuum, just answering that question, he's far better on the wing and, and, and he always has been, and it was poor team building. So I've already lost the vacuum that forced him to go into the center position. It was, you know, Elias Patterson injury that forced him into the middle of the ice. And the fact that, well, Jason Dickinson was penciled in to be our third line center. I don't think we need to recap that at the moment, how all that went. And then Brandon Sutter. And obviously we all know how that went too. So it was a move made out of necessity, but in that necessity, we then walked him to a career season playing as a center because we all know agents have stronger negotiating power when they're able to say that they're 
Plyant is a top six or a top line winger, sorry, center, not winger. So we just now signed him to be a top line center. And now he's back on the wing. So like, you know, trying to stay focused on tonight's game. Clearly he's better on the wing. I, I hope everyone watching now with the, just the little sample size, as small as it is, I think it's hopefully pretty clear that having less of that dis- defensive responsibility that we all joke about with him helps him focus and he's more dynamic on the wing. You know, he's in a natural position for that shot of his that's obviously quite effective. So, yeah, like, you know, obviously he's better on the wing, but the problem still remains, well, okay, well, now who do we play at third-line center? And again, I guess, you know, in the last 12, 24 hours, we've gotten our answers as to who that will be. I don't know if you've watched these guys or broken them down. Of course, you know, we've heard a couple things and, you know, some basic scouting reports over that time too. I don't think anyone knows for sure if they can be that guy, but they're certainly going to get that shot now. So we'll, we'll see. Well, you know, it's a, it's very much a, you know, can we turn some of these parts into something effective? You know, the, the scarred part of us though says, Oh, we saw this exact same thing at the beginning of the last tenure of the new or the old GM and we're seeing them again. So, you know, I, you know, I don't know if you want to get into this part now, but it's, you know, the same plan with hopefully different execution. And I think that's really all we can hope on. Yeah, I, I would agree with all of that. That's, I think, a good segue into our second segment, which is let's let's talk a bit about the trades the Canucks have made the last two days a bit out of necessity, like as you said, because we've decided to move Miller back to wing, which is where he should have been. Um, and because we traded Jason Dickinson, uh, Canucks have, because Lazar, Lazar is out long-term if people aren't aware. And so the Canucks picked up Jason Stadika and then today they picked up Lane Peterson. I'm not expecting Peterson to crack this lineup. It's an AHL trade and, uh, Ethan Bear. Yeah. That's a contract move to offset the bear salary. Yeah. Yeah. What are what are your thoughts? Your thoughts, this, the chat's thoughts. Everyone, throw your thoughts in here. What are your thoughts on these trades? I thought, you know, I'm not opposed to giving Stanika a look. I think he he needs a change of scenery. Everything we've heard out of the Bruins is like he works really hard. It's just time for a shift in scenery. My issue with with this is. Uh, looking at how Jason Dickinson has performed in Chicago over the first few games, it seems to me that we're once again, just, you know, to your earlier point about roster construction, it still feels like this team is often just reacting to everything that's happening around them rather than sticking to any kind of coherent plan. Yes. (laughs) like like what you know what what are we doing here is is ultimately kind of the real question and uh, you know we we can you know i can (laughs) slap my head on this desk and you know know for sure that the logical thing for us to do is to take 
forward in the hope of striking gold. But as long as Francesco Aquilini owns this team, he is and we are left at the mercy of Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin to hopefully be better than the last regime was at executing on this bad plan. Do I think that's going to be a road to a Stanley Cup? I, I do not. Is there any other option seemingly at this point? It doesn't appear that there is because even slammed with a, a literal historically that bad start, you know, as soon as rebuilding rumors start to leak out, the owner squashes that and 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 immediately throws cold water on, on the concept. So these are the trades that we're going to see. We're not going to see the, you know, pending UFA big star, tr- you know, traded for, a first and a top prospect who's two years away and another, you know, guy who helps make the salary work cap work. We're going to see these trades of draft picks out of prospects with higher potential ceilings out for players who can fill roles now. And the only hope is that the new GM and the new, you know, robust staff, is better at identifying those players than other teams are. Because we have seen other teams, certainly not our previous regime, but other teams find these players off other teams' rosters and turn something into gold. So we just got to hope. Because, again, I'm not going to pretend. Other, you know, Ethan Bear, I've certainly watched. But the other guys, I, I can't tell you I've ever seen a second of them or were really aware of their names prior to 24 hours ago. So, you know, I, I, I can't sit here and say, you know, this is what it's going to be. The, you know, the little bit of scouting reports, an Evan Rodriguez type sounds great. But, you know, who knows if that's going to materialize. And even Evan Rodriguez himself took, you know, four or five years from what he is today in age. No, sorry, two, three years to actually become what he is now. A, you know, a, a name that some people would recognize. I was going to say oh. Clay, Clay Jinkstick. Clay said in the chat just before you started that, love hearing positivity or close to it from Malcolm. <laughs> I, hey, you know, you got to win. I'm doing my best here. Okay. You know, let's let, let me put this to you. We're getting a lot of love for the Ethan Bear trade in, in the yeah. chat. I, I personally loved it. I am a big Ethan Bear fan, notwithstanding that he's obviously had a couple of rough seasons, particularly after having had COVID. But I think he is, he's, a player with a lot of upside who performed really, really well in Edmonton. And frankly, if he can get back to even, you know, maybe not a hundred percent of the player he was in Edmonton, but if he can get even close, he is absolutely one of the best defensemen on this team already. Absolutely. And, you know, it was one of those moves that, you know, the Twitter world had been sitting there for weeks, if not months saying, this is so logical, you know, why is it this happening? And, you know, I, you know, anyone who I guess knows me knows how much I hate trading draft picks. And for a fifth round pick, this is absolutely worth the risk. Even if it doesn't work out, he's an RFA and I'd be stunned just because of what we've seen the right-handed D market get that we couldn't get at least a fifth for him at the deadline or in the summer if we can't come to terms on a contract. And like you said, like, our, our, here, here I go back into the negative. Our defense is uh, atrocious. Like, like right now with Quinn Hughes out. If it's healthy. 
<laughs> a a ringing endorsement. Without Quinn Hughes, I, I would put it as the 32nd place defense in the league. Yeah. Like it's it's that bad. So yeah, unfortunately, we are literally in that situation in which a guy, another team's healthy scratch is now our. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's our second best defenseman. I know we all love to ride, you know, ride on Tyler Myers. So I'll qualify it by saying, with a you know per cap hit, he's our second best defenseman. Maybe maybe Luke Shen in there too, even though he hasn't necessarily had the strongest start. But given the 25-year-old right-handed defenseman for a fifth-round pick, you know, I take that anytime, you know, 1.8 million. Salary retained. Well, salary retained, yeah, exactly. And and the actual cash, I think, you know, I, I have looked into it. My guess is the actual cash works out very similar, yeah. including that, you know, Pedersen contract. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, we got some we got some positivity out of Malcolm because <laughs> Like you said, calls a spade a spade. If he, if it, that is, I think objectively one of the better trades they've made recently. And for everyone's sake, especially Ethan Bears, I, I hope that he returns to form, and I think he'll, he'll end up quickly being a fan favorite if he does. <laughs> you know, and to brag on to you know, go back to the negative. I like the Ethan Bear trade and value far better than I like the Travis Dermont, who is paid. Similarly, no salary retention, cost us a third. You know, the, that one is still one of the ones, you know, other than the context of, you know, taking a step, actual step back is not an option. But even if we just waited until the summer, I there, I, there would have been better opportunities than immediately flipping them for a third versus, again, now Ethan Bear, cheaper, right-handed, that we got for a fifth. So, you know, again, I, I still, that one doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, again, you get a 25 year old capable right handed defenseman for a fifth round pick. You do that every time. No hesitation. I got I to gotta shout this one out. Uh, somebody just said, totally thought it was Seth Rogen for a split second. <laughs> I've got that before, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, we're also getting, before we get into the third segment, let's switch over from Ethan Bear to the goaltending uh we're getting a little bit of does demko play next game play martin bench demko <laughs> sentiment going and uh you know as somebody who i feel like we've lived through too many goalie controversies i don't think this is a controversy i don't think it should be one demko i've said on this show has had not a great start to the season i suspect there's some recovery and kind of getting back into the rhythm still going on from his offseason surgery but uh my thoughts from for the play play martin crowd is uh, i i'm a demko truther i've been a demko truther i'm willing to ride out this this rough patch what are your thoughts well you know of course admittedly the first thought that flashes into my head is that we've not talked about your other boy mikey di pietro i can't even but at least it's been yeah okay we're not even talking about that one all right all right right on to demko then you know, to me, this is one of those knee bones connected to the elbow bones connected to the foot bone things. Unfortunately, harping back to this because of the terrible roster construction and the horrible, horrible defense, it plays an effect on both ends of the ice and the psyche of all the players because 
Forwards don't have the confidence the defense is going to be able to do their job, so they overcompensate. The goalie is worried about all the things that the team can now potentially screw up, so they're worried about other things other than their job and stopping the puck. So all these things are connected and have an impact on these things. I, you know, I don't want to get into string theory, Sam, or anything like that, but all these things are connected. And that's the, pro- you know, again, I have all the faith in Demko too, that he is going to bounce back, but it has to start with seeing other issues resolved too within the team. And, and let's just, again, hope that, you know, Ethan Bear and, you know, and the centers, you know, the start to that. Yeah. I mean, to your point about the roster construction, I think for at least the last few seasons, definitely since Markstrom, the Canucks strategy, rather than building a uh, decent blue line, has been relying on your goaltender to play an outsized number of games and to play all of those games at a Vezina Trophy level, which they have fortunately been able to get from both Markstrom and Demko. Um, Somebody in the chat said they think Demko probably needs more of a rest, and I think that's right. I think it's, it's interesting because two seasons ago when he was backing up Markey, I said he wasn't playing enough as a young goalie, and I think he wasn't. He was playing under 26 games a season. But last season, he played almost all of it. And, you know, while I I don't think we're quite at the bench Demko start Spencer Martin part of the season, I do think they need to play Martin way more than they played Halak last year. Yeah, for sure. You know, go, uh, players want to play, you know, we've seen this in the NFL too, with, you know, concussion and injuries and all that too. It, it, of course, you know, uh, Ian Clark ultimately makes the call. Uh, so hopefully again, you know, what Spencer Martin did tonight gives them a little bit more confidence. The, the problem has been up until this point that, you know, until you get that first win, it's hard to go to your backup goalie because that's, you know, kind of a scheduled loss and and obviously this team is has been completely unwilling until this point to potentially take that when it's you know would have been you know reckless to an extent to play Demko and in, in back-to-backs after a travel day like that you know had, had that been happening you know there would have been just flames on Twitter uh you know about how you know we're, we're just going to inevitably injure Demko so yeah, again, of course, it's, you know, especially if he can turn in performances like tonight and he did last year, like why wouldn't you play him and, and lessen that chance of injury for Demko and keep him fresh and hungry for that game? Uh, you know, because there's always that, you know, with the with the goalie psyche, it's, you know, you want to play that game and, and, and be in that next game. So, you know, when that starts to take it away, you know, be taken away from you, it's, you know, you're hungry again for each of those wins instead of, you know, being the starter who's expecting, you know, to start 65 games a year. Okay, one last question about tonight's game before we dip into our third segment, which is going to get Malcolm really fired up. Uh, Somebody in the chat says, thoughts on PD's two-way game today, even though he wasn't on the score sheet, he looked great yet again. And I I agree. I think Pedersen's easily been their best player through the the first part of the season, uh, despite despite regularly posting on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Man, is it possible those things aren't connected? The Instagram post? Anyways. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I have long disputed, you know, last year there were a lot of uh, JT Miller is their best player. JT Miller should be captain. JT Miller is 1C. 
I have never agreed with those takes. As everyone knows, I think, and as the last few games have proved, he's better on the wing. There is no question that Elias Pettersson should be the one C on this team. And anyone who thinks that there is a better player, unless it's maybe, maybe Demko when he's in Vesna form, like, I, I think you're getting a little bit swept away just by goals. You know, it, it's to me, obviously, context is always so important. And when you look at what's happened with Pedersen and the context surrounding his last two seasons, well, of course, he's not going to have played great. He's came into the season healthy. He, he looks bigger, you know, obviously a little bit more physical, even though he's always been, you know, stronger than he looks, you know, because he doesn't look that strong. And, and yeah, like, you know, again, I, I'm also one of those guys who not once since, of course, you know, the year after he was drafted and he went on fire, you know, of course, I didn't know at the time we drafted him uh, that, you know, this guy is for real. And, and since he's come into the league, you know, understanding everything surrounding, you know, losing, you know, teammates and, and all those kind of things coming in injured, you know, the contract situation, missing a training camp, you know, there's, you know, reasons why you know reasonable explanations as to why he didn't play great don't know if you want to get into locker room drama but you know there's you know an old saying that's you know sometimes you know leadership opportunities have to be thrust upon you i i have absolutely no idea why he's not wearing an a uh i would be putting that on him immediately and and starting to give him that leadership role that i think he will start to seize and once we see him in more of that leadership role, I think we'll see an even better Elias Pettersson because that's kind of the thing that we've always talked about is, is you know, comparable uh, that everyone knows I love uh, is, you know, you know, as his ceiling could be someone like Pavel Datsuk, who is most known for, you know, also you know, being as good of an offensive player as he was a defensive player. And, you know, the goals that he'd take away easily offset the, you know, 20, 30 points that he could be, you know, you know, lower than in other, you know, top players in the league. But anyone who actually understood the game fully knew that he was amongst the best, if not the best player in the league, you know, during his prime years. And and I truly, truly believe Patterson can be that, you know, with the right teammates, with a defensive core that looks almost nothing like this one. And, you know, a, a lot of changes and, and things that have, have to happen around him. Uh, but, yeah, again, he's easily been the best connect this year. I don't think it's really even a, a question. And, yeah, I, I, I have no you know, hesitation. Yeah, there should be no hesitation that, you know, that will ever slow down. All right, we are going to shift gears in our third segment and feel free to sound off in the chat. Uh, segment three is going to be Malcolm's Axe to Grind. And my question for you is, after winning two games now, first two wins of the season, do you think that having started the season winless in seven, would you rather the Canucks have a historically bad season or do you want them to go on a bit of a run now having won back-to-back games and looking pretty good tonight other than for the first 10 minutes of the third? And and this is, again, purely my opinion, what I want, not what I think is realistic or expect to happen. Yes. <laughs> 
asking then what I, you think is going to happen. Like, yeah, well, then I, I'm, I'm the mass. I again, I have no doubt in my mind that the problems with this franchise start with the owner and his dogmatic pursuit <clears throat> of winning tonight and getting playoff revenue this year, and that stupid, stupid notion that you can just make the playoffs and anything can happen, that we know if you actually look at the information is not true. For some reason, he's bought into that. And it really doesn't matter what happens unless, everyone also knows I'm a Lost fan, unless that catastrophic thing happens to to give him absolutely no choice. So with all that context, I would take the historically bad season. And and, there's probably some people who are not going to be all that surprised. But unless something like, yeah, I know, like that happens, it's never going to be bad enough for Francesco to actually do what's necessary to rebuild this team so there's a path to an actual Stanley Cup instead of a path to a first-round playoff exit maybe, maybe, one or two times that we make the second round. I've seen that enough times in my lifetime. It's not why I tune in. It's not why I tweet. It's not why I pay all the money that I have in the past to go to games, to buy jerseys, to be involved in the team. So (laughs) unless something like that happens, there's, there's, I don't see a path. I, I do not with the cap space that we have committed, with all the prospects that we do not have, and you know, even as minor as they may be, another prospect and another pick out the window today, a second round pick, and you know, already out earlier this year, <clears throat> we have been bleeding picks at I, you know, again, I wouldn't be surprised a historical rate, especially for a team that has had absolutely no success over that same time period. Th- that's the only way we can actually build to a cup. We're getting, There's we're not getting enough tank for Bedard in the tank for Bedard in the chat, and also and, the very realistic point that if we tank, we won't get Bedard. And and I was obviously that was because of course as soon as someone says tank for Bedard, there's that person immediately in the response. Oh well, the Canucks will never win a draft lottery. I am the never well, win the draft lottery. I, I, well, uh, it's but annoying. I will say no. I will say that if they were going to be historically bad, which I think we said three or four seasons ago in the Lafreniere draft that they should have been historically bad, even more so this year, given that you started winless in seven, this is the season to be historically bad because even if you don't get Connor Bedard, you get Mitchkov or you get Fantilli, who would be a number one in any other year. And to your point about draft picks, one thing that has always annoyed me about this team is they have consistently said, and obviously it's new management, so whatever, But for seven years, we heard how the thing they were good at was drafting, but somehow they never acquired more picks. Like you look at, you look at the Rangers, you look at Montreal, you look at Ottawa, and I'm not saying that those are blueprints for success, but those were teams who went out and had 20 to 21 draft picks over two seasons because they knew they had to rebuild. They wanted to do it quickly. And what they did was they loaded up on prospects. Yeah. Everyone says, well, it doesn't matter if you trade the pick, you know, like, not every pick pans out well generally if you're gonna go with not every pick pans out what you want to do is acquire as many picks as possible so that as many of them pan out as possible give yourself the chance and this is a team that has not done that 
they are in a generational draft like i think everyone acknowledges this is a 2003 2015 type year and they don't have like you know i want them to have double digit picks and they don't have that it doesn't seem like they've even turned their mind to that and earlier tonight patrick Elvin made it pretty clear that he actually doesn't intend to try to pick up more picks this year and to me that just makes it continues to make no sense um you know, I had a lot, I had a lot of hope, probably the most positivity anyone has seen from me when they brought Jim Rutherford in and he said, this is a team that is a couple of years away from being a regular playoff team and it requires a lot of work. And naively, I thought, great, somebody has a realistic assessment of this team. They're going to actually put in a plan that makes sense to deal with those issues. And then what we got was more of the same. You know, yeah, and and that's why, to me, again, and, and that's one of the pieces of evidence that make it so clear that the plan has never changed. From Really, from Mike Gillis, he just had the capacity to actually execute on that because he had a good core, but getting a good core is actually not the hardest part. It's then building the team around that good core. You just be bad, and you pick at the top of the draft, you're going to get some core pieces. That's not that's that's not hard. You can repeat that process. Supplementing, building the cap space properly is far more difficult. And that's what clearly the last regime struggled with so much. Yeah. So again, the plan is exactly the same as it has always been. It is always to win now. It is always. So again, like that's what I've been going over, you know, you know banging my head against the wall. Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? It doesn't matter. You know, it, I, I know why we're not doing it. Francesca Aquilini. So there's no point in wonder. I, you know, I'm so confused. I, I'm not confused. I, I know exactly why. There's no confusion. There is a so, there is a good argument here, and I I have a counterpoint to this argument. I'm going to leave with that. Uh, somebody in the chat says, "I hear this, but if we tank, we give up on PD and Quinn." And I I think that's that's maybe one of the more compelling arguments. But if you look at a team like LA, they have won a cup and rebuilt faster than the Canucks have in this entire cycle. And in that time, they have kept their best players. Like they kept Drew Doughty. They kept Azze Kopitar. They didn't give up on their core. They just managed to rebuild their prospects and their team. They actually did it on the fly. The two best players in the world play for the Edmonton Oilers, who up until the last couple of years have been absolutely terrible. At no point there was any talk of them requesting a trade. I have, again, zero concern about this, as long as we show them an actual plan and direction, of course, Petey talking more specifically because his contract's up first, that makes sense. I am. I have no doubt, especially with the old regime, when they were hearing the plan from these guys, they're like, are you looking at this idiot? Like, so as long as, and hopefully, again, there's a little bit of execution, of course, in that time before we're up to a contract extension. I know it's you know it's hindsight talking about it now, but it wasn't hindsight when we talked about it then. The moment those guys became eligible for extensions, they should have been signed to max deals. We would have been looking at seven, eight million dollars, you know, for those guys if we'd done it back then, in in, in that hard pandemic world. Like it, yeah, it's it's just so frustrating to see how many times we've attempted to rob the future unsuccessfully or paying for it currently, 
and have no ability to learn from those mistakes. Okay. Before we wrap up, because we did win tonight, I don't want to leave this on a negative note. <clears throat> the Canucks did win 5-1 tonight, despite the last segment we just did. <laughs> uh, do you? What do you think are the positives that they can take forward for you and for other fans? Well, this would be the roadmap of the game that they need to play to be successful, especially without Quinn Hughes. Uh, you know, we've heard he's day to day. We've heard his week to week. Who knows exactly when he's going to be back? But until our, you know, until he's back, and and this is our defense core, we got to keep it as simple, plain, vanilla, tight checking, limit opportunities, all those cliches, bucks in deep, <clears throat> that we possibly can. Um, do so, you, do you play Quinn Hughes when he's back with Ethan Bear? Of course, absolutely. Just just for the huggy bear. For the huggy, I, I mean, like that would be enough, but I think there's plenty of other good reasons as well. Uh, but yes, of course, you, you, why, you know, why wouldn't you give them that opportunity? Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, Canucks win back to back games. Clay got to talk about a win last night, and Clay was at the game tonight. So I think maybe Clay is the key to the Canucks winning. Uh, I think we've actually always known that, but yeah. Clay, Clay, work your positivity harder and we should have a cup. It's, this is entirely on you. Uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, if you are enjoying this, uh, hit like, subscribe, give us your feedback. Love hearing from you guys. Uh, Canucks play the Devils on November the 1st. Uh, the Devils who... Sorry, my baby has a lot of feelings about playing the Devils. Uh, the Devils <laughs> shut out the defending cup champion Colorado Avalanche one nothing tonight. And that's who the Canucks play next. So hopefully we get a three-game win streak. But if not, we can always just say, well, they also beat the Avs. <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Have a good night. Thanks, Sam.